Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Cipher, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter at No Huddle NFL with an underscore at the end. That's again at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. So we're actually a decent distance into the season right now. I mean, week 11 just passed. Crazy, man. Crazy. The season isn't like just halfway over. It's a little bit over halfway done. And that's insane to me because we are starting to get a better idea of what teams are legit and which ones aren't. But at the same time, I feel like in any other season, we would have a better understanding of who's going to come out on top of each division, right? I mean, for a while, we really thought the Seahawks were going to represent their division, which we all thought would be a very tough division. And it turns out it's not that tough. The Rams, last year's Super Bowl champion, they have three wins at the moment. The Packers have fallen apart, but now all of a sudden they're on a little bit of a resurgence. There's just a lot of things you wouldn't have predicted going into the season. And a lot of things right now that you wouldn't have been able to predict just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, how bad did the Washington Commanders look a couple weeks ago? How bad did the Colts look a couple weeks ago? And now the Colts are out here beating the team we all thought was the best in the league or nearly beating the team we all thought was the best in the league, the team that was undefeated until they lost to the Commanders. Another thing no one could have predicted. The Giants, I'm surprised to say this, and a lot of people may have thought that they were fraudulent just because of how bad that offense was, but the Giants are out here losing to Detroit. I mean, there's a lot of just big things no one would have really expected. Zach Wilson's getting benched. Mac Jones doesn't look too good. The Chiefs are running away with the AFC West. Just a very interesting week. And we're starting to get a better understanding of what's real and what isn't, right? So we know which teams are disappointments at this point of the year, right? And we know which teams are living up to the hype, and we know which teams are outperforming expectations. But even with that knowledge... There's always like a game or two that kind of just flips those expectations on their head. This week had a couple of examples of that. And this week, we learned a lot of things about a lot of teams. But sometimes these takeaways, sometimes these things that we learn, just, you know, they really seem to be the team's new identity, right? For example, Josh Jacobs with the Raiders earlier this year. He had so many he had like three great games in a row and then out of the game plan just like that. There's a lot of things this week that seem to be recently emerging trends that I just picked up on, but I've kind of been hesitant to talk about them because much like Josh Jacobs was, it could just vanish in a second. And 
I see a lot of those. I see a lot of things that over the past three weeks have been happening. Hopefully these things just stay true because a lot of these teams have struggled to find their identity over the past couple of weeks, over the entire season. And now they finally found something that is working. Will it continue though? I'm going to go over some examples of that. Some examples of teams that seem to be establishing a new identity. And this week was just another week of them proving, oh shit, this is working. And they're going to be doing that a lot. So we would think the NFL is very unpredictable in that way. Because a lot of things you would think a team does or a team should do, they don't end up doing. That's the beauty of this league. Completely unpredictable. Completely. So let's start with the rapid fire takeaway. Starting with this Thursday night game. Before this game, the Packers finally had the emergence of a big play threat for them. This is something that they needed, all right? They needed someone like Christian Watson to start making plays for the team because the offense wasn't explosive at all, and they weren't good enough to make drives five yards, five yards, five yards, four yards, three yards, three yards. Like, they couldn't do that. The Packers weren't capable of making out these super long drives methodical. You know, they didn't have the talent to do that, really. Now, they could score every now and then, but they couldn't win many games because the offense, if they needed a one-play touchdown or a 30-yard chunk play, they couldn't really get it because no one, none of the receivers were really capable of doing that. Aaron Rodgers wasn't even trying to do that, really. But now, here comes Christian Watson. And he has that breakout game against the Cowboys. And he continued to have a good late season with this pretty solid game against the Tennessee Titans for him. But there was another young rookie receiver who really helped his team that was very very much struggling to make big plays. There was another young receiver that was able to help his team do that, and that was Traylon Burks. Now, Traylon Burks is still not a player I'm very high on, all right? I still think he's a very, very good 50-50 ball receiver, and he's very good after the catch. I'll give him that. But Tennessee is good enough, at least in some aspects of the game, for them to really just need someone who could catch the 50-50 ball now and then. Make the big play after the catch, you know? Tennessee was struggling so much at the receiver position, and they still are, that a player that isn't a great route runner, his hands sometimes, yes, some bad drops, Tennessee is struggling so much at receiver, they could take these weaknesses with Traylon Burks' game because they need they just need something. They just need something. None of these other receivers that none of them can really do anything for them. At least Traylon Burks, you could throw him a 50-50 ball now and then. At least. And in this Packers game, 
When they needed to complete a pass, they went to Burks. And that's great. That is great that they're able to find a role for this young receiver. Tennessee's receiver core is still a very bad unit, and I still stand by that. But at least this Titans team can make big plays when they need it, much like the Packers can now do the same thing. Now, let's talk about the Washington Commanders. I know that they played Houston this week, but that game against the Philadelphia Eagles, complete, complete game changer, complete momentum shift for this Washington season. All right, because a lot of people would see this Washington team, especially going into that Eagles game, as another team on Houston's level, another very bad team. But now, we're reminded. Now, I'm not going to act I'm not going to act like Washington is some playoff team, right? I'm not. I'm not even going to act like they're in playoff contention. But they are no longer like this fodder team that is just an easy win every single time you play them. Because if they were, they would have played a way closer game with Houston, and they sure as hell would not have beat the Eagles. Washington has pieces here. And Chase Young is coming back from injury. With Heineke playing quarterback, that's they've been a much better team. All right. That receiver core is a good unit. Terry McLaurin, oh my God. Still the most underrated receiver in the NFL. Or underrated big name receiver in the NFL. Then we got on the defensive side of the ball. That defensive line has been killing it, killing it, killing it. Jamin Davis, that linebacker, he's been having a good year. At least I think so. There's weaknesses on this defense. I'm very aware, but let's not sleep on Washington. Okay, let's not. They're, again, not one of these super good teams, but they're around the league average. They're no longer something to scoff at. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears. And for once, I'm not going to talk about Justin Fields. I'm not going to be the guy dissing him when everyone else is complimenting him. Because right now, everyone's throwing him the shade that I think he's very much deserving of. And that is, he's unable to make the plays in the clutch. And that is true. That is true. But that's also what I said about him last week. Last week I said if they need to rely on him to win them the game with his arm, he will not be able to do it. What did he prove this week? If Chicago needs to rely on him to win the game with his arm, he will not be able to do it. At least at his current state. I'm going to talk about Chicago's defense here, though. No boy. Losing to the Falcons. This was a game I thought that they would be able to win. I did. I thought that they would win this football game. But, and it was a close game, and it was a close game for sure. But, the defense somehow couldn't stop this Falcons rushing attack, which isn't, I'm not going to act like, oh man, the Falcons? How could you not stop the Falcons? But, I mean, listen, the offense did its part. The offense 
put points on the board. Although they had an opportunity to win at the end of the game. And Fields, I would have liked for him to have done more with that opportunity. Because, you know, when you trade up in the first round to get a quarterback, you expect him to make those plays. But whatever. This is, Like I said, this is not supposed to be the Fields hatred episode of the podcast. I've already had those episodes the past like two weeks, even when he's been playing well. I feel like it's my responsibility to diss him as the number one Justin Fields hater. The offense did its part. The defense had to stop Cordero. Cordero Patterson, he was having a field day. And I'm not just talking about his special team's contribution. No, I'm talking about he was averaging like five yards per carry. He was just running through their gut. Ever since they lost Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, this Bears running rushing defense has been incompetent. It has been a very, very bad unit against the run. Now, when you lose the two best players in your defensive front, that's to be expected. But still. A team like the Falcons that wants to run the ball can run at will on you guys? You're going to be screwed. And Mariota also had a good day running the ball. Now, let's talk about this aforementioned downright pathetic showing from the Giants offense against the Detroit Lions, who at a point were looking historically bad. Now they're still looking terrible, just not quite as bad. And part of the reason they don't look as bad is because somehow a team that is probably going to be a playoff team, most likely going to be a playoff team, only scored... 18 points against them. This team is well above 500, and it's the New York Giants. You know what's you know what's worse? The fact that if you really want to get picky, it was really only 12 points because one of those touchdowns were in garbage time. No, I don't like to say, oh, garbage time doesn't count. Because, you know, they're still NFL players. It's not like they quit because they're in the lead. But the point is, the Giants were doing downright horrendous. Horrendous against this downright fucking terrible Detroit Lions defense. They have to be able to get more than this, okay? And I know. All the injuries. And yeah, they have a lot of injuries in that receiver core on the O-line. I know that. But. But. It's the Detroit Lions. It's one thing if the Lions outscore you, right? Because their offense is a good unit. But. If you're going to lose to them when your defense plays well and your defense does its job. That's when you become a laughing stock. You still have NFL players on your football team. You still had your starting quarterback. I mean, I know a lot of teams that win this game with just their starting quarterback. 
and the rest of the team could be the backups. The Giants are held to a higher standard than losses like this. At least they're supposed to be, considering their record. The Giants' offense is one player and one player only. Daniel Jones is doing his part, fine. But there's only one, like, truly great offensive player that isn't Andrew Thomas, and that's Saquon Barkley. In terms of, like, people that can make plays for them, Galladay's terrible. The hilarious thing is that wide receiver core is torn to shreds. Wandale Robinson out. Canaries Tony traded. Sterling Shepard out. Yet, yet Kenny Galladay is still not the best receiver on the team. And they're paying him how much? They're paying him how much to have less than five catches? I mean, Giants offense looks horrendous. Horrendous. And the fact that we're going to see this team in the playoffs is probably even worse. They, they have a good defense, though. I will 100% accept that. And, yeah, I know they're banged up. I, I know. But even when they're healthy, still, that's a – it's better when they're healthy, obviously, but they're still a bad offense. It will be interesting when they have, like, legitimate offensive players, like maybe maybe one competent receiver, maybe, but that might be wishful thinking. Let's talk about the Panthers. They played against Baltimore, and this game was tight. This game was tight. It wasn't an interesting game, but it was tight. This Panthers defense can be solid. Definitely can be. They showed it. They could have beat Baltimore. They really could have. Problem is the Panthers offense was fucking horrendous. But the Panthers defense did their part. Baltimore couldn't do anything for most of that game. They couldn't. Couldn't run the ball, couldn't throw it. That game was 3-3 for a very long time. Forcing Lamar Jackson to eventually win them the game? I mean, a team like the Panthers that isn't really trying to win now, that's a big achievement for them. Big. They have pieces here defensively. Brian Burns. Derek Brown. They have pieces. It's going to be interesting when they finally put it all together, but that might take a while. Just because this offense, oh my god. That was a horrendous offensive, offensive showing. Horrendous. Somehow it wasn't the worst of the week, though. You want to talk about the worst offensive performance of the week? Gotta go to the New York Jets. That was terrible. This. You won't see offensive performances worse than this. Than what the Jets did. They couldn't get past their own 35. They couldn't get past their own 35. Are you kidding me? This is another team that's above 500. 
and they can't get past their own 35-yard line. Again, they're a little bit banged up, but still. And everyone's right away blaming Wilson. And I get it. They're not wrong. Wilson played like hot ass. He did. But I I hear so much, oh, the Jets punted more times than they completed a pass. And that's true. But where the hell is the, oh, my God, Patriots defense amazing job? I'm here to give them their credit. This Patriots defense did a damn good job. They did so well defensively that they convinced the Jets, the New York football Jets, that Mike White is better than Zach Wilson. And I know Zach Wilson is very bad. Okay, I'm very aware. But last time Mike White started a football game, he threw four picks and zero touchdowns. I know Zach Wilson played horribly in this game. I'm I'm very, very aware. But, and I've said this so many times this year, the Patriots are known for absolutely picking apart young quarterbacks. Of course, Wilson's going to play bad. Now, only nine completions is, like, inexcusably bad. So I'm not like, oh, you can't talk trash on Zach Wilson this week because he played against the New England Patriots. No. But, I'm not sure how much I agree with benching Wilson. I'm not sure. And again, I'm I'm not saying that Zach Wilson is... I'm not even saying Zach Wilson's a top 32 quarterback in the league. But I know one thing for sure. Mike White sure as hell isn't either. I know that. This move that the Jets are making... Seems like a panic move. Seems like a, oh shit, I did not expect us to be a contending football team move. And, well, they're trying to make the most of the situation. My question though, what about Joe Flacco? Why not the veteran? Now, we haven't seen Mike White in about a year. But last time we saw him, again, he was horrible, horrendous, terrible. And I know what Salah said about, oh, yeah, we want to bring him back again. This isn't the end of Wilson's career as a Jet. And that was the right thing for him to say. That was 100% the correct thing for Robert Salah to say. Salah is still a good coach. I still give him loads of credit. But I don't think I agree with this move. I don't. Despite how shitty Wilson's playing, even if you were to bench him, if they were to bench him for Flacco, sure, sure. But, and I again, Zach Wilson isn't playing well. I'm not going to sit here and act like he is. He was playing against Bill Belichick in both of his two losses as a starter this year. You know, that that's really, I don't, and I don't, again, I'm really trying hard not to sound like a Zach Wilson defender here. 
Okay, I, I because I don't want to be one of those guys. But again, they're both against the same team. There's a correlation there. Okay. And they've been winning games in spite of him. I get that. I completely understand. That's why benching him isn't what shocks me. The decision to go with Mike White instead is what shocks me. Flacco is here. Listen, you can make the conscious decision, oh, our quarterback sucks. My problem isn't the decision to bench your quarterback. It's more the decision that one of the other guys are better, especially if that guy is Mike White. Not the veteran, really. I don't get it. I don't, me personally. Still, though, a lot of people praising this, and it's easy to praise it when you look at how poorly Wilson's played throughout the year. Because even in their actual wins, they were in spite of him. I agree. But Mike White, I don't agree. Let's slander another player. Why not? This one is a player that isn't getting slandered by everyone and their mother like Zach Wilson is. But he's still a big name. In fact, he's I think most people would agree he's an even bigger name. Jalen Ramsey. Remember how everyone was calling him like the top corner in the league for probably about three years straight? Yeah. All good things have to come to an end. Ramsey is no longer a top tier cornerback. He is no longer a top 10 cornerback. He has been bad this year. No sugarcoating it. He has been bad. He has been allowing a 64.4 completion percentage on the season. That is not good. That's If it's above 50, that's bad. I don't want to see above 50. Especially a corner held on such a high pedestal like Jalen Ramsey. But to make matters worse, because he has... I do want to give the context. He has played against some good receivers. That doesn't help. But in the past two weeks, he has allowed an 84.5 completion percentage. That's fucking horrible. That is horrendous. That is terrible. That is very, very bad, especially, again, for a cornerback of this standard. He had to guard DeAndre Hopkins one of these weeks. So fine, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, a very good player. You know who he had to guard the other week? Chris Olave. And he still allowed an 83% completion percentage against DeAndre Hopkins and then 85% against Olave on multiple targets. Teams are now actively looking at the Jalen Ramsey versus my number one receiver matchup because they know Ramsey hasn't been winning that much this this year. That's part of the reason that the Rams are doing this bad. Yeah, injuries. Yeah, their offensive line sucks. But their quote-unquote stud defensive players? They're on the decline. Jalen Ramsey's not that guy anymore. He isn't. 
Bobby Wagner sure as hell is neither. And Aaron Donald, he's still very valuable for him to be wreaking havoc up the middle, but he's not the best interior defensive lineman in football anymore. The stars on the Rams defense are just okay. And that's bad. That's really bad because the players that were supposed to be stars were supposed to carry this defense. If you look at the starting defense for the L.A. Rams, you'll see they have their big-name players, and then they have their, for lack of a better word, borderline irrelevant players that you've probably never heard of. This defense is built thinking that they'll have, like, three players that carry the entire defense and make the entire unit way better. I'm not saying that these other players are incompetent. Again, irrelevant was rude. But these other guys are role players at best. And when the stars aren't out there being stars, well, this is what happens. They lose to the New Orleans Saints. Let's now talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Last week, I was telling Eagles fans not to panic. I was telling the entire NFL media, don't look at this loss to the Commanders and overreact and say, oh, the Rams are, or sorry, the Eagles are 100% fraudulent. No. Okay, no. Don't look at it like that. But now that they nearly lost to the Colts, If I'm an Eagles fan, I'm 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 close to that panic button. Okay? I mean the Colts are no longer the laughing stock that they were, believe it or not. Somehow Jeff Saturday actually made them better. Who would have seen that coming? But nearly losing to them, that's really bad for the Eagles. That's a really bad look at the week after losing to Washington. That's a really bad look, considering that this team was undefeated at one point, late in the season, or around middle of the season, actually. But still, teams that are 9-0 at one point should not be losing to Washington and then following that up by nearly losing to an Indianapolis Colts team led by Jeff Saturday as the head coach in his second game as an NFL coach. Not just as an NFL head coach, as an NFL coach in general. This was bad. This is a bad look. If I'm an Eagles fan, I'm panicking. I am. Now, yeah, they, they fumbled the ball a bit. They kind of handed the game to the Colts a bit. But this is the second week in a row they nearly did that. That they had a couple of fumbles. This is the second week in a row. They're playing too sloppy right now. They're playing too sloppy. They have a lot of talent. They can put it back together. I'll hop back on this train, but as of right now, I'm I'm kind of straying away from, you know, Eagles number one seed in the NFC talk. 
Let's talk about a receiver that I was very wrong about going into this year. Amari Cooper, I really thought he was washed. I really did. I was not expecting him to be the best receiver on this Browns team, but oh boy, he's proved me wrong so far this year. And now I think he officially solidified himself as a above average wide receiver one for the Browns. Eight receptions, 113 yards, and two touchdowns against the Bills. He was the Browns' offense. The Browns' running game wasn't too dangerous this game, this week. They just kept looking at Cooper, and he kept getting it done. Now, they still lost, but still, let's give Mari Cooper's credit. It's going to be interesting when he has a quarterback that is hopefully still very good in Deshaun Watson. It's going to be very interesting. Super, super interesting hearing that. Should be soon, too. I mean, Cooper, he's still a great route runner. Although he didn't look like it in his last year with the Cowboys, but whatever. He's still a great route runner. His hands, he's kind of got gotten rid of that drop issue. He's been good, man. He's been getting open a lot. His route running is the highlight of his game, and it's still there. It's still there. So he... When they can't just rely on Chubb, they'll throw it to Cooper a couple of times, and they don't really have reason to worry. Again, this offense should be pretty dangerous when Watson is there. Now, let's talk about the Raiders. This was one of the worst football games of the year. And there were a lot of those this week, these games that just sucked. But at least it went into overtime. That's cool, I guess. And Devontae Adams made a nice play to end the game, and that's exactly what this takeaway is. Although the Raiders suck, Devontae Adams is still a super good receiver. Super good. And let's not forget that just because he's on a team that sucks hot ass. Devontae, uh, he was against Patrick Sertain, who going into this week, I considered him the best cornerback in the entire NFL. And because of how much Devontae Adams exposed him, I can no longer say that. Give me Sauce Gardner as the best cornerback in the league. Because Sertain, when you're the best cornerback in the NFL, you should not be getting exposed by anyone, any single player. But Devontae Adams went for 100 yards more than 100 yards on you. He scored a couple of touchdowns on you. Sertain is still super good. I would like to say that this was just a down down week for him, but Sauce Gardner's yet to have a down week, so I'm taking Sauce Gardner over him as of right now. Devontae Adams, though, going up against a super good cornerback and, again, just exposing him. Just give him a lot of credit. Even though his team is very bad and they're not going to get talked about much, Let's not forget how good Devontae Adams is. Talk about the Cowboys, who I now officially see as one of those like top three teams in the league. With the Eagles falling off, with the Bills kind of falling off, although they had a good game this week. Cowboys go up. They do. Especially after beating the Vikings. And not just beating them, embarrassing them. Gotta say, Cowboys are one of the best teams in the league. They're like in that top three. 
And if you still refer to them as the same old Cowboys, if you refer to this team as the same old Cowboys, you're an idiot. There is no reason whatsoever to be saying that. No reason. The Cowboys have the best defense in the NFL right now. They have the best player in the NFL in Micah Parsons. And this offense is dynamic. They exposed a super good Vikings team that has been very solid on the defensive side of the ball. And they exposed them. Pollard out here, you know, continuing to prove that he deserves to be the leader of that backfield ahead of Zeke. They're not going to do it, but they sure as hell should. And if they don't, you can find some other job for Pollard. You got to keep him on the field, right? Line him up in the slot, why don't you? Cowboys are not a team. They are not the same Cowboys team, all right? They are much better than the Cowboys teams of the past. Let's talk about Najee Harris. One of the big underperformers of the, not just fantasy, just the season. But over the past couple of weeks, he's reminded everyone why he was a first-round pick. He has talent, man. He has talent. He's in a terrible situation for him, right? He's the the offensive line cannot block for him, but he hasn't averaged below four yards per carry in any of the past three games. I know that's a low bar. That's like the average for a running back, right? I see four yards is like the golden number. Four yards per carry, that's the golden number. You got to do above that to be considered a good performance. Below it, bad performance, right? But this is a bad offensive line, right? It's an objectively bad offensive line. Najee Harris is still making do with it, at least recently. And against the Bengals, he had a damn good game. He was... When he decides to, like, finally commit to that downhill runner style of play, he's a much better player. Much better. I hope that he continues to commit to that so the Steelers are no longer unwatchable on the offensive side of the ball, but we'll see. Chiefs are running away with the AFC West. I really don't think that there's much I can elaborate on here, right? We all thought the AFC West would be super tight. No, the the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. No one else is even close, and that division has only been teams that are underperforming and the Chiefs. All that talk about, oh, they're going to heavily decline without Tyreek Hill. No, they're not. Do they look like they declined? I think they look better. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think they look like a better football team than last year, at least. Because now with Pacheco, their running game is way more legit. Mahomes is having an MVP year. He is. I mean, they've been killing it. They've been killing it. And the only other team that's like, even good is the Chargers, and they're not—they're not even close to the Chiefs tier. The Broncos and Raiders suck; they're horrendous. The Raiders are one and seven against teams that aren't the Denver Broncos, and the Denver Broncos are the Denver Broncos, severely underperforming despite bringing in Russell Wilson. I mean, no one else is even holding a candle to them. 
Chiefs are running away with that division, man. And they're probably running away with the one seed to the AFC, too. And last takeaway I want to go over before I try and predict each game of week 11. Sorry, week 12. Can't believe that we're going into week 12. That's crazy. This last takeaway is that there is a world where all of the 49, 49ers offensive weapons can be utilized to their athletic prowess. Ayuk, Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. Those are five very, very, very good offensive players. And Shanahan finds a way to use all of them in one game. But now the question is, can they do this against a legit team? If they can, even with even with Garoppolo, they'll probably they can win a Super Bowl. But again, what holds this all back is the fact Garoppolo is there. Garoppolo will somehow find a way to throw away any football game, any football game. He will do it. I hope he doesn't, but it's very possible. Despite all this offensive talent. I hope they get, that they can continue to keep this thing clicking because it is fun to watch when you got Debo Samuel on a double reverse and then you got Elijah Mitchell just running it straight up the middle and then Christian McCaffrey catching the ball. Oh, wait, oh, he's dropping back after catching it and then throwing it to George Kittle. Touchdown. Like, oh, and then Kyle Juszczyk, too. How can I not talk about him? Best fullback in the NFL. He's a great utility piece. He just threw a touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. I, I mean, come on. This team is super fun to watch. Super fun. They do have Jimmy Garoppolo, which is going to hold them back. But still, 49ers have the pieces to make a very, very legit run for the most part. Except the most important position, which, again, Jimmy Garoppolo. He will find a way to sell the game for them. Uh, anyway, that's all for this part of the podcast. When I return, I'm going to talk about my predictions for Week 12, how I expect each game to play out, who I think will win each game. I hope that you're enjoying so far. And, yeah, see you right after the break. And we are back. You're listening to the Goal Line Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Seifer. And I'm going to predict each of the Week 12 games. I'm going to predict who's going to win and give a little bit of an analysis on each of the games, starting with the Buffalo Bills against the Detroit Lions in Detroit. Bills win this one easily. It's in Detroit. There's still no reason. No reason for the Bills to lose this game. No reason whatsoever. I I fail to understand. I really think even if Josh Allen goes down, if Stephon Diggs goes down, if all of them, all of those superstar players go down, in the first five minutes of the game, which would never happen, but if it does, right, or even a couple of them go down, Bills still win this game just because of coaching alone. I, there's no reason to think that Detroit wins this. Okay, cool. They beat the Giants. That That's great. The Bills are way better than the Giants. Even with an injured Josh Allen, who I still believe is playing through injury, I just fail to understand why anyone would think that the Bills lose this game. I don't think much more elaboration is needed. 
Giants against the Cowboys. This is a game that would have been interesting until the entire Cowboys team decided to ramp it up 70 notches and then the entire Giants team got injured. Cowboys win this one. The Giants are banged up offensively. I would be very surprised if they score a single point, really. The Giants are playing against the best defense in the league. And their best wide receiver is going to be Colin Johnson and Darius Slade. And those are going to be like the two best receivers going into this game. Listen, if Galladay has a breakout game, Giants still lose, but it won't be by as much. But Galladay has has shown no signs of being capable of breaking out again. So... I'm really just forced to look at this and say, what can the Giants do to get on the scoreboard? Right? I, I think that the defense could do a good job stopping the Cowboys offense a decent amount. They'll hold the Cowboys to around 24, probably, because this is a good Giants defense. Very good Giants defense. But Daniel Jones is no one to throw to. Daniel Jones alone isn't too good. He'll make a play now and then, but he can't really elevate the talent around him, especially against a defense like this. The offensive line is injured to hell and back. They have Saquon, but they're just going to do what Seattle did and just lock in on Saquon. Stack the box, and none of your receivers can get open anyway because your receivers suck. Give me Dallas here easily. Vikings against the Patriots. Listen, this is the actual primetime game. That's my fault. I made a mistake earlier saying that the Bills game was primetime. That's my apologies. This is the real primetime game. And this should be interesting, actually. This this should. I'm going Vikings. I could see this being a bit close. I could also see an upset. Patriots-wise, because I think it's possible Kirk Cousins has one of those days. And Vikings fans definitely know what I'm talking about. But I also look at the Patriots secondary. And I know the secondary is good, but I don't think any of them are just physically talented enough to keep up with Justin Jefferson. I don't. I think that they have a great scheme that they've been running for decades now. And that scheme has made sure that that secondary is always good, no matter who's on it. They could have me at cornerback, and they'd still have one of the top secondaries in the NFL just because of that scheme alone. But to guard a guy like Justin Jefferson, you need some great physical talent. And I don't think the, I don't think the Patriots have that. I don't. So I'm taking the Vikings because I think Jefferson's going to have a night. But if they could stop Jefferson, Kirk Cousins is going to fall apart on primetime television like he always does. And the Patriots win. Should be a pretty low-scoring game, though. Should be. Falcons against the Commanders. So... 
the Commanders and Falcons, that should be an interesting one. In Washington, give me the Commanders here because the Falcons really like to run the ball. And with Chase Young back, that defensive line, it's been playing well. It's only going to be playing better with Chase Young there. I think they win this one because they're going to stop the Falcons' run game, which forces them out of their comfort zone. They don't want to throw the ball with Marcus Mariota. They do not want to do it. Washington, I think, will force them to do that. Now, Washington might not be able to do much offensively, but I think their defense matches up against the Falcons' offense very well. The Ravens are going into Jacksonville to play against the Jaguars. I'm taking the Ravens here. The Ravens didn't play very well last week, but the Jaguars aren't a very good team either. I could see this game being pretty close, but I am going Ravens just because they just out-talent the Jaguars, and they have more to lose. They do. They have more at stake in this game. So I'm taking Baltimore. Also, Harbaugh's a good coach, but he hasn't really looked like it this year. I'm going to be honest. Still, though, Ravens, they're just a more talented team here. You got to go with them, especially against a team like Jacksonville. That doesn't really have much to lose. Bears against the Jets in New York. I'm going Jets. I do think the quarterback change, despite the fact it's very controversial, and I think they made they changed it to the wrong quarterback. I don't think Fields is going to be able to do much against a very, very good Jets defense. The Jets are going to win in a pretty low-scoring game here. Give me the Jets in New York. I mean, I think you would have a little bit too much confidence in the Bears offense if you have a winning it, I'm going to be honest. Bengals against the Titans. A lot of people actually pick the Titans in this one. I'm going the Bengals, though. I am. Bengals are coming off a win. I know Tennessee is too, but they're coming off a win against a division rival. Jamar Chase might be playing, even if he doesn't, though. I still got the Bengals in this one. The Titans, even with Traylon Burks, I still don't really like their offense much. And Tredobia Wuzier is not going to let up the big plays that Alexander was allowing. And then Joe Burrow, he's going to have a solid night. Again, even without Jamar Chase, the Titans might be 7-3, and three, but they sure as hell don't look like it, okay? Their offense, if you could stop Burks, which shouldn't be too hard because he's a terrible route runner, very easy to stop this offense. Very easy. It's just about tackling Derrick Henry. And when your offense is just one player, the Cincinnati run defense isn't it's not an amazing unit, but it's definitely not a bad one either. I think they're gonna get the job done. I do. Broncos at Carolina. This might be the worst game of the entire year. With Sam Darnold starting for Carolina. Give me the Broncos. Just because of a lack of confidence in the Carolina offense. Broncos defense is extremely good. Carolina only put up three points against a Baltimore defense that got better with the addition of Roquan Smith, but it's not the Broncos, okay? Panthers might not get on the board here. Broncos just need to punch one touchdown and maybe a touchdown and a field goal to win this one, so I'm taking them.
Then Texans at Miami Dolphins. Dolphins, easy one. No elaboration needed. Buccaneers at Browns. I'm taking the Browns here, actually. Buccaneers have been getting on the right track recently, for sure. But this is Brissett's last outing before Deshaun Watson comes out to replace him. I think he wants to end it on a win. I think there's going to be extra motivation because of that. And Browns are 3-7. and seven. They need to win games like this at home against the Buccaneers team. That Yeah, they're starting to get it together, but eh. Rashad White might have a very good game, and that's what scares me here. If Rashad White like falls out, which is very possible, they win. The Buccaneers win. But if they could do a decent job stopping Rashad White, force Brady to win them the game, I do like the Buccaneers. I do. They're, they have pieces for sure. But we saw what it used to look like when... Brady had to throw like 60 passes in a game. You force him to throw around 40. Stop the run game. I like the Browns odds here. It should be this should be the game of the week. It should be. It should be very good. Chargers at Cardinals in Arizona. Taking the Chargers here. It's going to be close. It's going to be close for sure. Chargers are going to struggle to stop D-Hop. Marquise Brown might be healthy for this game. And if that if that's the case, yeah, you could really see Cardinals. But it really comes down to will Kyler Murray play. If Kyler Murray plays, I'm taking the Cardinals. If Kyler Murray doesn't play, I'm taking the Chargers just because I'm more confident in Herbert than I am in Colt McCoy. Even with Colt McCoy in, though, this should be a close game. This should. With that receiver core, it's hard for any quarterback to look bad. Even with McCoyan, he should still be able to do some pretty good stuff through the air. Just the running game is horrendous. Horrendous. Without Kyler Murray there. They're going to need that run game. They're going to need it. That's why they need Kyler Murray in order to win it. Raiders at Seahawks. Seahawks, the Raiders are just overall really bad. Seahawks, they've proven to be a much better team than everyone thought that they were going to be before the season started. Tariq Wollin's going to hopefully do a better job than Patrick Sertain in stopping Devontae Adams. But, yeah, I'm taking the Seahawks, and I don't think it's that close. Rams at Chiefs, another one I don't think will be close. Chiefs, without a doubt in my mind, this this one's a lock, really. Saints at 49ers. Now, Garoppolo could throw any game away. This is one that I think is very likely to get thrown away. But the the 49ers just have so much talent on both sides of the ball. The Saints don't really. So the talented team here I think is going to take the cake, especially in San Fran. You struggle to say that the Saints win this one. You really do, but it is a possibility. Packers at Eagles. I could see an upset here. I really can. I really want to say upset. But the Packers aren't too good either. So I'm going 49. Or sorry, I'm going to Eagles. I am. That Packers defense hasn't looked good at all. 
they made Traylon Burks look so good. Now imagine what AJ Brown's gonna do. Right. I think AJ Brown has a field day here. Now let's talk about the team that AJ Brown absolutely picked apart the Pittsburgh Steelers and how they are going to beat the Colts on Monday Night Football. This should be a very close game, extremely close. I could understand you going either way. But Mike Tomlin, listen, man. Listen. He he wants to get that winning record, and he wants it bad. Even without Big Ben, even with how shitty this team has been, he wants that winning record, man. This defensive line with Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt, I guess that very, very underperforming Colts offensive line should end well. Should end well for Pittsburgh because they're just going to dominate the line of scrimmage defensively. That'll make the Colts not really be able to score much. And Najee Harris has been, he's been having a little bit. He's been looking good recently. He has a solid performance here. That should be all it takes. It really should. So I'm taking the Steelers going into Indianapolis. Anyway, that's it for this episode of the Goal Line Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed. And I'll see you all next week. If you want more content, check out No Huddle NFL on TikTok or Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces. And don't forget my Twitter, at No Huddle NFL, with an underscore at the end. That is, again, at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces, with an underscore at the end. See you next week.